Hey, it's Drex from This Week Health Cyber and Risk Community, and I want to invite you to our next webinar. It's going to focus on what else? Defending health data. I'll be chatting with experts from Rubrik and Microsoft. Register right now at thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. That's all one string, R-U-B-R-I-K webinar, thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. See you online soon. Today on This Week Health. With the advent of artificial humans moving away from the IVR to actual intelligent assistance and whatnot, I think that's a huge step forward. Organizations that are utilizing that technology can have call centers operating 24-7 with digital humans taking the place of humans. Welcome to Newsday, a This Week Health newsroom show. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. For five years, we've been making podcasts that amplify great thinking to propel healthcare forward. Special thanks to our Newsday show partners, Cedar sinai Accelerator, ClearSense, CrowdStrike, Digital Scientist, Optimum, Pure Storage, SureTest, TauSite, and VMware for investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Now, on to our show. All right, it's Newsday, and today we are joined by Charles Boise with uh, ClearSense. Charles, welcome back to the show, and Happy New Year, by the way. Hey, Bill, good to be here, and Happy New Year to you and everyone. It, it wasn't really a Happy New Year for you. I mean, you're just getting over oh, being yeah. fairly sick. Yeah, COVID times two, upper respiratory this time, and initial vaccine plus four boosters. So I think we're years off before we've got this thing figured out. Uh, I saw an article that there was in August of last year, there was more deaths of vaccinated people than unvaccinated. Not making the case for vaccines or, or not vaccines, but I am making the case for, I'm not sure the vaccines protect us as much as, as we once thought. So we need to practice caution as we're I don't know, going into large public places and that kind of stuff. That's that's my only thought on that. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think we'll know more in the next five to 10 years. Yeah, JP Morgan is in full force this week. And it seems like everyone's just walking around and shaking hands like nothing's going on. So yeah, so I don't think it's going to impact our schedule all that much. All right, so this is our first time talking in the year. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go over to the Becker's site, look at some things. Well, actually, let's start with J.P. Morgan. Here's what's coming out of J.P. Morgan. And I, I did not get to go this year, but I will be doing a review show with uh, some people who were there. But uh, I imagine this is a common refrain. So J.P. Morgan 23, Ascension Health details a $2.5 billion economic recovery plan to rebound from financial and operational headwinds. All right, so if you're wondering what the financial headwinds are, Ascension Health closed 2022 with a $1.8 billion loss. And they started the year, their first quarter closed, and they posted, wasn't that good? Let's see, $239 million negative operating margin. Yeah, so the, the new year hasn't kicked off any better than the, the old year for Ascension, and they put together a significant plan to uh, try to address some things. So they're targeting billions in opportunities. The initiatives they're looking at are to stabilize labor costs, specifically contract labor, labor 
while also investing in ambulatory care ancillary services to drive higher patient volumes as more care shifts from inpatient to outpatient settings. And then it goes on and talks about some other things. So that's the general, I think is going to be the general mood at JP Morgan. Now I only have this one report, but just conversations we've had and other releases we have seen. Let me ask you this. Are we, I mean, this shift from inpatient to outpatient has been well underway for many years. Do you think it's going to accelerate in the next, I don't know, 24 to, to 36 months? I do. And as you know, I do a, a bit of work in the UK with the NHS and they've already started that. They've made the realization that in the home is preferable over the hospital from a cost perspective. But what they're learning is from a employment perspective, especially on the nursing side, the patient care assistance and so forth, they prefer to work in patients' homes than in the hospital. So there, there is some attractiveness to that model from just a staffing perspective. And currently that's, you talk about operational costs and whatnot. We've got two hospitals in New York City right now. The nurses are out on strike and whatnot. So, yes. So, taking care of this um, this this issue from an operational perspective and staffing, I think that even from a U.S. perspective, it will be attractive to do your shift in in a home or multiple homes. So we're seeing from a nursing perspective more home health nursing folks and whatnot. Yeah. So just so people don't hear us wrong, high acuity care will still happen in, in the hospitals. And that's what the campus is designed for and those kind of things. If I were a health system today, I would not be investing any more money in buildings unless it's upkeep of those buildings, which I would absolutely do, but I would not be building new buildings per se, ambulatory centers, but even those ambulatory centers, I wouldn't be building those buildings. I'd be leasing the space because this, the, how care is being delivered is like transforming right before our eyes. And I think the other thing is, I think one of the things that is being discussed in probably many boardrooms right now is how do we, how, how do we get outside the four walls? Now we've been talking about this also for many years, but I think it, it becomes the, the health system of the future will have more health being delivered by people on the road, in homes, in ambulatory centers, just outside the campus than inside the campus. So, I mean, I think one of the metrics I would look at if I were, were an investor and I were investing in bonds or something to that effect with health systems is what percentage of their workers are working on the campus and what percentage of their workers deliver their care off the campus. And those that have figured out that percentage starting to shift and they're figuring out the the reimbursement and the other things that happen that have changed around that, I, I think are going to be successful. But people didn't tune in to hear us talk about that. They're, they're tuning in to hear us talk about the technology implications of that. So we have a down economy shift from the ambulatory care settings and the home. What does that mean from a technology perspective? Bill, if you look at Phillips and others, they are actually pursuing that 
pursuing that market and uh, their devices and future roadmaps are reflective of even a higher acuity being delivered within the home as far as monitoring whatnot. And if you look at, you know, GE and uh, the, you know, Philips and, you know, the other uh, manufacturers of diagnostic equipment, same thing geared towards the home. And it's all a result of the ability from a, a 5G perspective. If you want to talk tech, where healthcare can be given, transmissions can be given a higher priority than normal traffic and whatnot. And this all goes to edge computing and the ability to perform at, within the home and, and do what's the requisite, deliver the requisite care with the te technology enablement. So, yeah, I, I see a little bit of higher acuity care delivered than most people would think at, at some point in time in the future, technology enabled. Yeah, I, th I think that's absolutely true. I mean, one of the things is the winners here are those that have shifted their business model to, <sighs> capitate is the wrong word, managed, uh, managed contracts. You tell we're in a new year, I have to like relearn all the things that I know because my head's still foggy on this stuff, but so we are going to have more of what we've, we've thought for years, value-based care. How do we keep people healthy? How do we keep them out of the hospital? And one of the ways to get paid for that is to get paid as the insurance provider and as the full, full risk care provider for that. Now you can do that through partnership or you can do that through going that alone and, and going into the community obviously a, a much greater lift in order to do that. Either way, you end up with a, a whole host of technology shifts that are going to happen. And when we're talking about, I, we used to talk about 5G and I remember CIOs would come on and say, oh, we're doing 5G in our hospital. And I sort of scratched my head. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand that. Like it, it, it made, I already have an incredibly fast network within my health system that's highly secure and all this other stuff. I don't really need 5G within my campus, but I agree with you. I think 5G is going to be one of those things that, you know, one of those, those markers that enables us to do things out of the home that we couldn't do before. And so I think those 5G partnerships are, are going to be important. I think the partnerships with companies that can go into the home and teach us how to go into the home effectively. And the, the companies that have really good solutions around age tech and around care at home and higher acuity care at home. And the people who have figured out the devices and maintaining those devices, monitoring those devices are, are going to be winners. And then I think the call center becomes the absolute lifeblood of the organization. And I say that because we, we did set up, we, we were doing pilots back in 20, 12 care at home and it started with a with a cohort of about 100 people and they just lit up the the call center that we set up for them and it's one of the reasons it wasn't making money early on is because they the, what we found is people were just calling in because they were lonely because they wanted to talk to somebody and so anyway so i i say that to say the call center is going to be your lifeblood you have to think through the use cases around that and you have to get really smart in that call center to direct people 
to have the right information and direct people where they need to be directed. And you and I have talked to call center before. What are some ways people should be thinking about their call center? There's a, uh, a few things of note. With the advent of artificial humans moving away from the IVR to actual intelligent assistance and whatnot, I think that's a huge step forward. Organizations that are utilizing that technology can have call centers operating 24-7 with digital humans taking the place of humans just for information, for wayfinding, and not so much initial triage, but you know, taking care of a lot of the things that most of the agents in the call center normally take care of. And then the adequate handoffs can be made as a result, especially from a, from a knowledge perspective, information, if you're calling in on information, let's say dementia or diabetes, et cetera, those types of technologies can bring, bring information back to the patient, patient, family, citizens, et cetera, and make the requisite handoffs when required. Charles, did we talk about chat GPT three or actually the, the newest iteration, which I think they're calling 3.5. No, I don't believe so, Bill, but we can hit that one now. Yeah. It seems to have taken a huge leap forward. And I say that because I, I now find myself, it's an open tab on my browser here and I find myself hitting it up. It's a new way of searching. It's a new way of asking questions of the internet and getting some pretty interesting responses. I, I mean, interesting in a like cogent and things I can actually use. And I'm wondering if this starts to become what we can expect from agents, digital agents, I guess people would call them chatbots, but digital agents that become the smart front end for our call center that can uh, direct people. Yeah, especially if you have the requisite knowledge base behind it, and that's extremely doable. And there's vendors out there that are utilizing these technologies. And Bill, I'm a professor at Stony Brook University. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to counteract my students using this technology for producing papers and answering test questions and things of that sort. So yeah, you've seen the good and the bad from this, and it's just getting better and better. So it's going to be interesting to see this you know, as it progresses. But again, think about this 24 seven, the ability to ask a question and get a response. I saw different examples of how people were using it in healthcare order sets. You just asking about order sets. I'll tell you one of the things that was interesting. I had a problem with our website and I don't think I'm giving anything away here. It's a WordPress website and having a problem with some of the code in one of the plugins. And so I went over to the chat GPT and I said, Hey, here's the code. What's wrong with it? And it said, here's what's wrong with it. I just copied and pasted it over and it fixed it. And I was like, yeah. wow. And we keep hiring new people into the team and I want to bring them up to speed on, on some of the marketing trends and that kind of stuff. And we have some people that we listen to and that kind of stuff. But I thought, Hey, chat GPT three, I'm going to ask you a series of questions on marketing. And let's see what you respond with. And I ended up creating a 15 page document over the holidays. By the way, it took me about, I don't know, 25 minutes, 20 minutes. I would ask it a question. Tell me about product marketing. What's the distinction between product marketing and other things of marketing? And it would just answer the question. And I'm reading this going, yeah, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give this to the staff. This is a great, very high level 
And actually, it's not only high-level stuff, because I just talked about the programming. You can take it as deep as you want if you know how to interact with it and ask the right questions. Bill, I always go back to people can make mistakes and be forgiven. Machines get one shot at it. Yeah, and it, it does make mistakes. And yeah, and we're, it, we're not quite there yet where we're forgiving machines. Yeah, I agree. In 2023, we are celebrating five years at This Week Health. And we are working to give back, and we will be partnering this year with Alex's Lemonade Stand all year long. As you know, having a child with cancer is one of the most painful and difficult situations a family can face. At Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation, they understand the personal side of the diagnosis, the resources needed, and the impact that funded research can have for better treatments and more cures. Today, Alex's Lemonade Stand is one of the leading funders of pediatric cancer research in the U.S. and Canada, funding more than a thousand research projects and providing programs to families affected by childhood cancer. You can get more information about them at alexslemonade.org. So how are we going to partner? Well, the leadership team and myself personally, we have put some money aside to really fund the start of this. Uh, but what we're looking for is partners, right? So we're going to ask our partner our partners, our sponsors to be a part of this. We're going to ask you to be a part of this. And some of the ways that you can help contribute is we're going to have drives throughout the year. We're going to have follower drives, followers of the show, followers of our LinkedIn channel, Twitter channel, YouTube channel, you name it. We're going to have these drives. And as part of those drives, we're going to ask people to be a part of putting donations towards Alex's Lemonade Stand. There's going to be many opportunities this year. So keep an eye out all year long to see how you can support Alex's Lemonade Stand. You can find more information out on our website, thisweekhealth.com. You can also check out Alex's Lemonade Stand again at alexslemonade.org. And if you go to our website, their logo is going to be on our homepage on the top right-hand corner. We're celebrating our five-year anniversary, and we want to continue to give back to the community. So we welcome you to be a part of it and looking forward to seeing what we can do this year. All right. There's an article here. We can hit it. And it's a predictions article. Let's see. Ted Quinn, CEO, founder, Activate Care, says continued economic instability will put more Americans at risk for social determinants of health creating even more strain on the system. Chairman at, at Switch says equity and access. We can expect to see more programs implemented that bridge the equity gaps in chronic care management, obesity, diabetes, preventative care, among other areas. Chief Medical Officer Qualtrics, financial health must be recognized as inseparable from health from 2020 to 2022. Consumers were more likely to receive care they needed, but cost concerns have become more common. Better coverage options will broaden mental health access for all. Reimbursement plans will be based on social determinants and risk stratified. Let's see some of the other things people are saying. Outcomes and accountability will be more critical. Regulatory changes and continued private equity investment. All right. So we're hearing some of the stuff people are saying. I don't think it's amazing to say that this is going to be a challenging year. We know that economically. We know that uh, I'm going to start with our, my first prediction. I, I'd love for you to chime in with your prediction. So this year is going to be challenged financially. I don't disagree that social determinants of health would deteriorate as this move forward. People will put off care. 
quite frankly, people will put off buying eggs because they are getting so expensive. And so whenever that happens in an economy, we know that there's a downturn because people in healthcare, because people will defer care. So that's going to continue. I think you're going to see two things as a result of this economy. One is significant consolidation, not amongst the healthcare providers, but significant consolidation amongst the, the, the digital health investments that are out there. You will see these start to come together. They could just be flat out tech and asset buys, but there's going to be a whole bunch that are more willing to sell now than they were before. And we're already seeing some of those announcements at JP Morgan. So that's absolutely going to continue. And if I thought about it, the, the primary impact on healthcare providers is going to be significant reductions in staff. And so I'd love to give you the pick me up here, but I think healthcare will be impacted from a staffing level. And it can't be at the nursing side because we're seeing the strikes right now. We're seeing the burnout right now. It, we, it can't be on that side until we implement some technology that's going to improve that. Now, I don't think technology should be impacted that greatly because if you impact technology, invariably it will, it will impact the overall health of the health system, but it will impact the health IT teams across the board. So I, I would expect cuts. We saw some cuts at the end of the year. We will see those continue through this year as part of plans to get in front of the financial conditions. So those are just off the top of my head, two predictions. I have more, but I'd love to hear from you. What do you got? Sure. And I agree with that. I think that we say 2023, I think it's going to extend into 2024, unfortunately. I think it may be a 12 to 18 month horizon there. And then from a healthcare IT or technology, you know how many startups there are out there. You know how many that have been in, you know, going around for a year, two years, three years. And I do agree that you're going to see uh, many acquisitions and the consolidation of those various technologies so that they can be delivered in a, a single ecosystem or single platform, if you will. ROI, uh, if you're a healthcare technologist, you better be able to produce some type of ROI, cost reduction. Before we used to try for six to 12 months, you better be able to do that within 90 days or just a little bit after. And you better be able to demonstratively show that during the sales cycle. You mentioned the issues around staffing and so forth. Those definitely aren't going away, but they're going to be looking at other departments to cut from and that's going to have a significant impact. It's just going to be tough. There's going to be a lot of healthcare organizations that just say, hey, basically we're done, you know, we're ready to be acquired and you're going to continue to see that M&A, but it's going to be a little bit more targeted. Bill, one thing we didn't talk about, the predominance of consumer health, health technology at CES this year. CES was in conjunction with JP Morgan. And I don't know if you were looking at it, but the number of technologies that are coming out that will allow us to take care of ourselves or at least have a little bit more participation, participation may per chance alleviate 
some of the burden, if not all. The other, from prediction perspective, I think that absolute realization, you talk about equity and equity and care, as well as financial equity. The more understanding around, we are all N of ones. You and I could be type two diabetics as a category, but we're very different physiologically. We're very different cognitively and financially, all the rest of that. And that care has to be auto-tuned, if you will, for us as individuals. So I think you'll see in the next 12 months or so, a better understanding of that. And then from a financial perspective, being able to target that will have improved outcomes and whatnot. Because I treat every diabetic as the same. I'm going to have some excellent outcomes. I'm going to have some not so much and then in the middle and whatnot. All right. We're doing webinars a little different this year. As we have told you, got a lot of feedback from the community about what works, what doesn't work. We talked to our advisors, our CIO, CMIO advisors, and they said, hey, look, community-generated topics, great contributors, not product-focused. They want the questions ahead of time so that they can incorporate them into their answers. And they want a forum that is honest and open. And what we decided was once and done. If you're at the webinar, you get to hear the content. If not, it's not on demand. You don't get to download it later. We're going to do it on a consistent date and time. And our next one coming up is February 2nd. It is Priorities for 2023. And this one is around academic medical centers. And we have some great leaders who are going to come in and discuss the priorities for 2023. We're going to continue to just bring great content, community-generated topics, and keep the discussion going. If you have feedback, love to hear it. And if there is any questions you have, go ahead and fill out the registration form and you have a space there to give us your questions at a time. We want to make sure that we cover the topics that are of interest to you. Website, top right-hand corner, sign up today. Love to see you there. Let me give you a couple more of mine real quick. By the way, I agree with what you're saying. I think the, the battle for primary care is going to continue. CVS is going after it in a heavy way as well as uh, some of the other players so that's going to continue there's going to be a battle for doctors and that's going to again exacerbate the financial challenges if the health systems haven't really taken on that if i think about this whole concept of healthcare consumer experience the healthcare consumer experience is going to get better and worse let me tell you how it's going to get worse it's going to get worse in that we are going to go to our health system and the the waits are going to be longer. The amount of time it takes to get an appointment is going to be longer because, as I said earlier, I think health systems are going to do cuts in certain areas and they have to be cost conscious. And we're in, we're in this flux right now into a new way of delivering and receiving care. So that's one of the things that's happening. I think it's going to be better in, in what you said, CES and other things. There's going to be more options for health to keep us healthy. To, to and, and we're going to be able to engage with those ourselves. I think that I saw a telenutrition company was just bought by, I think, Memorial Hermann. And that's, that's smart thinking if you can keep people healthy. But again, I, I think that the consumer experience will take a hit and I think it will, the health experience will get a, a little better. The, I think health IT, that the, the projects that are 
regulatory have to be done. The projects that are improvement projects, the optimization projects and that kind of stuff, those are going to go slower. The projects that will change how we deliver something will start to accelerate. So I think yep. AI falls into that category. I think the call center falls in that category. I think chatbots fall into that category. I think uh, RPA falls into that where we can automate something that used to be done by a human. I think computer vision falls in that category. There's just a whole host of projects that I think are going to all of a sudden bu bubble up to the top because it's like, hey, look, we used to have 30,000 people at our health system and we now have 26 and we need help to fill that gap. Yeah, and Bill, the underlying technology for all of that is the ability for these healthcare organizations to have all of their data in a trusted environment that they can consume for various methodologies, whether it be for AI, whether it be for care delivery and so forth. And I think those healthcare organizations that are able to do that over the next 18 months. And many of these healthcare organizations have 1,200 systems in place. And from a data perspective, taking it from those systems all the way to a point where it's actually trusted and consumable is a feat. But if that's accomplished, they're working in the here and now, they're not working retrospectively, and they know what's going to occur in the next several weeks and whatnot. So I think that's going to be a, a big component of 2023 is getting our data assets in order. That, that's why you and I, that's how we first met. And that's, yeah, know, we, we were essentially in 2012, 2013, that's what we were working on. So that was probably the right time frame to be working on that, by the way, if you're <laughs> just getting started now, it's going to yeah. be a challenge. By the way, I think the application rationalization projects are going to accelerate as well. If we can turn off, not just, not just fewer applications and simplify the, the environment, but if we can actually turn them off and turn off the licensing and all that stuff, I think that will accelerate. Yeah, absolutely, Bill. But the other, the other advantage of that, if done properly with the right technologies, all of that data is available for building out machine learning, AI products and so forth, and understanding the population. Throwing 40 years worth of data or 20 or 30 years worth of data into a PDF doesn't make it usable. It does not. And we've all done it in healthcare, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, we have. If you're able to accomplish the retrievability for clinicians and others, but at the same time, retain that data for a secondary use and so forth, you've really accomplished something. Well, Charles, I'm glad that ClearSense is a sponsor again for this year because it means you and I get to have more of these conversations and we still are planning. And so I'm going to, I'm going to put it out there for everybody so that we can be held accountable. We still are planning for you and I to do our first virtual, oh, virtual. reality interview. So both of us in virtual reality doing the interview. And my understanding is that we will see something from Apple this year, potentially in the next couple of months from Apple in terms of their first foray into uh, virtual reality. Looking forward to hanging out on the beach with you uh, with a, a couple of Coronas talking about uh, healthcare IT. Yeah, I, I think what we're going to do is uh, we're going to we're going to demonstrate some of this stuff. There's some interesting learning modules and that kind of stuff that we can we can demonstrate. I don't know. Hey, we're, we're not there yet, but we both have headsets. We've talked yep. about it a little bit. I think we can pull it off. The thing I don't like is my avatar looks goofy, so I, I 
the whole avatar thing. And I, and I wanted to have like the, this week health logo on the shirt and stuff. Yeah, I don't yeah. have enough ability to make it look like my avatar looks like Brad Pitt. So I'm not complaining. All right. <laughs> well, I could, I could have gone in that direction. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. Charles, thanks again for your time. Really appreciate the conversation. All right. Thanks, Bill. And looking forward to working with you in 2023. And that is the news. If I were a CIO today, I would have every one of my team members listening to a show just like this one and trying to have conversations with them after the show about what they've learned and what we can apply at our health system. If you want to support This Week Health, one of the ways you can do that is tell someone about our channels. We have two channels, This Week Health Conference and This Week Health Newsroom. Check them out today. You can find them wherever you listen to podcasts. And we are just about everywhere. You can find us on YouTube, Apple, Google, Overcast. You get the picture. And please subscribe to our webs at, on our website, thisweekhealth.com as well. We want to thank our Newsday partners, Cedar sinai Accelerator, ClearSense, CrowdStrike, Digital Scientists, Optimum, Pure Storage, SureTest, TauSite, and VMware, who invested in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.